Hey y'all, it's time for lunch. Are you hungry? Cause I am. For a new lunch break podcast with Ben and Paul. That's right. It's another episode of our lunch break podcast. Stay hungry, folks. All right. Uh, welcome to our lunch break podcast. Um, this is Ben, and we're going to be switching things up a little today. Um, this week, uh, there were some scheduling conflicts, so me and Paul, had uh, we didn't actually get to have uh, lunch together and record uh, this week's episode. So we're going to switch things up, and um, I'm going to be doing a short recording and then have Paul respond to it, um, uh, and we're going to just bring them together uh, in, into one episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something new. Uh, we're not sure how it's going to turn out. But um, for those that are listening, uh, please uh, feel free to give us some feedback uh, so that we can see if this is something that's possible that we could do every now and then. Or, um, yeah, if you guys just don't like it at all, uh, let us know so that we can uh, make sure to never do it again. <laughs> but uh, with that, just wanted to start off this week. Um, we're going to be talking about the Bible and inerrancy when we talk about scripture and we're going to be uh, throwing out some facts here and there but also uh, trying to uh, respond to these facts and the truth of inerrancy in the bible and uh, try to understand what exactly um, we as pastors uh, do to help these truths be known um, how we communicate these truths and how we um, allow for people to understand and really grow in the truths of the Bible. So we're going to be starting off. Uh, well, I'm going to start off uh, with a few questions. Um, first off, the the word um, or the Bible, the word Bible uh, it actually comes from uh, a Greek word, uh, ta biblia, uh, which means the books, um, ta biblia. And, you know, biblia, it's, it's you know, it, it comes from the greek and it transitions into um, english into the word bible that we have uh, so basically it's talking about the books the collection of books that we have in the bible um, the books of the bible are mainly split up into uh, two different categories we have uh, the uh, new Te- old testament and the new testament right we have the old testament which has all the recordings before Jesus, and then we have the New Testament, which shares from Jesus on. Um, the biggest difference with uh, the two is the fact that Jesus is uh, this the central. He is the center, and he flips uh, the script, in a sense, of uh, going from one to the next. Uh, to add a little bit to that, um, the word testament itself um, is a word that means covenant. So we have Old Testament or Old Covenant leading into New Testament or New Covenant. Uh, there's the flip from uh, God creating his covenant with Abraham and the people of Israel. And then flipping that to uh, the New Testament, which is God's new covenant with those believers who follow Christ. So we have uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, Jesus being the transition into the New Covenant, um, and being uh, the one who uh, kind of opens up the Scriptures to all people. Um, with 
the Bible with uh, what is being shared here. Um, we just some few uh, logistical informations of the Bible. Um, we have the books, which include uh, the library of 66 total books in the Bible, uh, written by 44 authors who um, we as Christians believe are um, authors who are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, these are authors that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit over a time of about 1,500 years, uh, starting from the first writings all the way to uh, the last writings, um, just uh, after Jesus' death. Um, we have a span of uh, 15,000 years. Um, the Old Testament books, which are 39 of them, uh, written in between the years of 1400 to 400 B.C., uh, before Christ. Um, and then the 27 books of the New Testament being written um, in a 50-year period between uh, 50 A.D. and 100 A.D. Um, there's actually some importance to that uh, because uh, we have a lot of, because of the fact that the New Testament was written in a period so close to Jesus and, and a very short period of time, uh, we can understand that uh, many of the accounts are first-hand accounts. Or people that were very close to Jesus um, and sharing and rewriting uh, their experiences, uh, the facts that they've heard and uh, the different things that they've seen um, quickly and sharing them vastly to all people, all nations. So um, it's a very important uh, fact that we have um, a lot of the uh, recency of um, relation to Jesus being shared in the New Testament immediately. Um, through the writings and then also spread uh, throughout the people, um, all people, so that they, so that people can know more about Jesus and follow him. Uh, so uh, we can understand that the authors, they, they had a reason for writing what they've written um, and a goal, which was to share um, all of the experiences of Jesus that they've seen and understood uh, for the people to understand and hear and follow. Um, the book itself, uh, the Old Testament, is one that is used uh, widely um, in many Judeo-Christian um, religions. Uh, and it, it's uh, referred to also many times uh, by many New Testament authors. Uh, Jesus himself quotes or references many uh, books in the Old Testament from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to the Psalms, Proverbs, uh, the, the prophet works in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, um, and, and even the minors. You know, we, we see them going to uh, Daniel, Hosea, Jonah, um, Zechariah, even to Malachi. There's, there's more, but um, it's a book that really references upon itself and um, connects the two uh the the old testament with the new testament um, in many ways so uh we can understand that the the bible even though there is the old covenant into the new co covenant um it's it's not disconnected they are connected together so uh, we have the bible bring being brought together um in many ways through uh the the authors and the various writings um I think when we look at um, the scriptures, uh, it's really important f for us to see this information. I know that not everybody might know uh, this information, but it's important that we do uh, see it and understand it and um, even try to try to understand why these are important. Um, many ways, uh, 
the the Bible itself is seen as uh, one of the more accurate history books because of the way that the book was written and uh, how it was shared and how it was uh, lifted up with such reverence that uh, many people uh, can see the effort and the uh, weight that they, they carried when they were rewriting, when they were copying, when they were sharing these words um, across nations, across time periods, um, so that uh, the truth could be shared and incorporated uh, in people's lives uh, for, for generations and generations and generations. And we see that happening from uh, now all the way to, or we see that happening from Jesus' time um, all the way to even now today where uh, the scriptures are, are still uh, analyzed and trying to be understood. But we find that... Um, the, the weight of it was treated so well um, that there is uh, a, a, a truth that is shared across the generations and, and, and kept um, making sure that it's being copied correctly um, and completely uh, without error um, across these generations. Um, you know, we'll have Paul come in and share uh, some of his thoughts on these facts and even um, add some more um, as he uh, listens through and as he as we go over uh, just the questions that we have. Um, but we really wanted to uh, kind of set some information down. We really wanted to set some information down on the Bible, um, what it is, um, how it came to be. Um, and uh, hopefully that information will be helpful for you in your faith as you uh, look to analyze and look to continue to read and understand this truth. And uh, maybe if you, even if you have questions about, um, is this a book that is worthy of being um, heard, listened to? Is it trustworthy? Is it um, a book that even though it is so old, that um, it can hold relevance even today in this uh, day and age? Um, so one thing about uh, the the book of the Bible, the books of the Bible and, and the truths of the Bible is that um, we stick to uh, this understanding um, of, of truthfulness um, of, of uh, is it is it um, a book that can be uh, heard, listened to, followed um, correctly um, and can we uh, keep it um, truthfully? Uh, is it something that we should follow? Is it something that um, we can uh, hold close to our hearts? Is this something that's truthful um, for us to follow? Um, so with that, uh, we really wanted to dive into um, what is the doctrine of inerrancy? I and mean, I want us to dive into that a little right now. Thank you, Ben, for talking about uh, the doctrine of Scripture. Um, and I'm just going to spend a few minutes very shortly uh, talking about the doctrine of inerrancy. Um, but before that, let me go ahead and shout out Chintography. Chintography is one of our avid supporters. He loves us. Um, he is a photographer in the DFW area, does weddings, uh, does uh, graduation photos, um, family portraits, things like that. He's really great. He did stuff for me and my wife and as she did her pregnancy photos um, before we had our baby. And so um, support Chintography. You can find him on Instagram at Chintography, spelled exactly the way it sounds, but then take out all the vowels. Is that confusing? Yes, but you can talk to Chintography about it. 
But yeah, Chintography, thank you for your support. And then also shout out to Janice Rebecca on who made our totally awesome graphic uh, for our podcast. Uh, you can check out her work at JaniceRebeccaOn.com. Um, with all that being said, very briefly also, um, while Ben was gone, I had very lonely lunches by myself at Chipotle, but they had the new carne asada at Chipotle, and it was delicious. So I would recommend Chipotle's carne asada to you. Now, it's not like amazing or anything, but but I would I, I ate it again. You know, I would eat it again. So yeah, that's what I had for lunch when Ben was gone. It was pretty lonely. <sighs> anyway. Back to the doctrine of inerrancy. Um, inerrancy basically is talking about the truthfulness of Scripture. In fact, you can almost say that inerrancy is kind of like the completion of the doctrine of Scripture. Um, inerrancy talks about how true is the Bible. Is it talking about its um, every fact that it has um, is true and truthful? Is it talking about things like, the, is there typos, like inerrant as in there's no error. What does it really mean? And uh, inerrancy is really just talking about the truthfulness of the Bible if you get down to the core of it. Is the Bible true? Can it be trusted? And the reason why this is a really important doctrine is because we're talking about the Bible, right? Bible, We believe the Bible is God's special revelation of himself uh, to his people. And so, when we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about a perfect God who's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. And uh, if the Bible is not true, or if even there's error in any part of it, then we have reason to doubt God, right? Um, and so, it is an actually an extremely important doctrine that we have to be able to discuss, especially as Christians. And so, so for us, we want to put down... Um, Anything, anybody or anything that says that the Bible isn't true in all of its ways. There are people who, the discussion about the doctrine of inerrancy typically will involve um, like the extent of the truthfulness of the Bible. So, for example, there are people who say um, every single thing should be taken literally, um, every date, every number, any any um, perceived contradictions in the Bible need to be explained right away and things like that, right? Well, that's something that um, some people call absolute inerrancy. Um, but then we have other forms of inerrancy who kind of pull it back a little, saying that uh, it holds that the Bible is completely true, and though it doesn't primarily aim to give any sort of uh, scientific and historical data, those whatever scientific and historical data that it does give is true, and it should be taken as truth, in fact. Um, that's kind of the idea there. Um, and in this, I think, um, you don't have to completely um, pull apart every little contradiction. Um, you can hold things in tension if I'm not totally mistaken about what full inerrancy is. Um, and that's probably a little more where I land. I'm, I'm totally okay with them being, with there being apparent contradictions. I know they're not contradictions. Like I know that they're, the Bible is not contradicting itself. Um, but I'm okay with not totally explaining everything, understanding that, you know what, I don't understand everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about every historical detail, the context, and I'm not going to know it totally. You know, though there are great resources out there, I'm sure that if I dug deeper, there would be an answer, right? 
And I'm totally believing that by faith. Um, and so, yeah. So um, that's kind of where I kind of land in terms of inerrancy. There's, you know, and but there are other types of inerrancy that kind of pull back even further, right? Like some people would say that only the doctrine of salvation is the only truth in the Bible. And everything else you can question, maybe move around. Um, you know, we have people in history who took the Bible and took out everything supernatural. They were like, oh, that's just unbelievable. Like Jesus couldn't walk on water, so I'll just cut it out. And we'll just, Jesus was just a good man. He's claimed to be God. He wasn't telling the truth there. He was just a, just a man. He maybe, or maybe he was lying or maybe he was crazy. Things like that. The, all those kind of discussions um, are involving the doctrine of inerrancy. And so you can see how uh, relevant this doctrine still is for us today as Christians. Uh, we're talking about the truth and believing as Christians that there is an absolute truth and an absolute standard that the Bible presents um, that we have to hold ourselves accountable to. So, yeah. So, in, just in a very tight nutshell, that's kind of about the doctrine of inerrancy, right? We're talking about the truthfulness of the Bible. We believe that the Bible is completely and totally true. Um, that whatever facts and figures and historical data and scientific data that it asserts, all those assertions are true and relevant for us today. Right? Um, we believe in the Bible. It talks about <coughs> the Bible is um, uh, useful, right, for teaching, for training in righteousness, for the completion of uh, um, to um, make complete, uh, equip the saints, things like that. Um, those are all really, really important ideas that come with the doctrine of inerrancy. Um, yeah, and with that being said, you know, Ben, he's going to talk a little bit now about um, why the doctrine of Scripture is so important. Um, so take it away, Ben. And with um, understanding the doctrine of inerrancy and, and understanding the Bible and what it stands for, I think it's important for us to... Um, try to understand why it's important today, um, you know, to, in today's day and age when there's um, so much being shared about truth. Um, what is true? What is true truth? Um, what is right? Um, you know, we, we see in this world today um, a lot of uh, Christian ideas, but also a lot of secular ideas, a lot of, a lot of um, other uh, ideas that, that claim to be truths um, that... Uh, the the world should follow that law should be created for um, we see this a lot today um, where um, certain truths are given weight and certain aren't um, and in many ways I think as as Christians we see the weight of this um, on on our beliefs when um, there are people that don't uh, want to give Christians the weight of the truth that they hold um, so they have to live out. Uh, their lives. I see a lot of you know Christians, uh, even even church members who who have to live out their lives, and um, they have to almost prove themselves in the truth that they hold, and um, in a way where it's not that uh, they're heard or understood, but that they have to try to prove some sort of validity. Uh, they have to tr prove uh, some sort of um, understanding that will give them credibility uh, in their beliefs. Uh, that. Uh, what they believe in scripture is is credible is something that should be understood something that should be followed so i think when we see scripture and the doctrine of inerrancy and, and why it is important today 
Um, I think it's important because of the fact that we as Christians believe that the Scripture is truth, is is uh, tr- is is the the truth um, that we can hold to um, in our daily lives. Uh, it it teaches us how to live our lives. It teaches us how to interact with um, people throughout our lives. It is uh, what we claim to be. Uh, the most true it is it is inerrant it is without error um, so uh, the truth the truth is important because it helps us to define what is right and what is wrong uh, you know and, and i believe we're all looking for the answer to that question what is right what is truly right and what is wrong um, and as christians uh, we're, we're um, struggling to battle against the ideas that uh, claim that cr- the christian way is wrong um, we're we're questioning um, our faith. We're questioning the scripture. We're questioning, trying to understand uh, the thoughts and ideas of non-believers, the people that we interact with in the world, to try to say um, is what they say correct? Is what we say correct? Um, how do we? Uh, what do we hold true to? And, and how do we follow that? Um, so I think the importance of it is that it, it helps us to um, have a truth to follow. Um, live our lives by and a truth that we believe as christians that it is from our god our father the creator of the universe the the most almighty being so um if if god is the one that has created this truth that is that has given us this truth then it is truth that we should uh follow uh truth that we should um hold to in our lives in all ways Uh, so with that, um, I think as a pastor, um, the biggest thing to, to show the importance of this doctrine is to, uh, is to learn these truths, is to, is to continue to delve into these truths, is to continue to try to understand these truths, and continue to try to teach these truths to um, other believers, to, to Christians in our congregation. Um, you know, as pastors, I believe that uh, we should always be studying, we should always be delving into the Word, we should always be trying to understand what the truth um of of the word of God is and and how we can learn from it, how we can grow from it, um, what are more truths that we can uh, uh, delve and gain from it. I remember there was an instance when I was really young, um, and I was uh, maybe in in middle school, and I was just uh, hanging out with my old youth pastor, and um, I remember I told him uh, something. It was really funny because uh, he was sharing about a word of scripture, and and I was like, oh, that's. That's a good scripture. I I forget where where it came from, what book it was from, but I remember thinking at the time. Um, was, of course, I remember this was me when I was very young, uh, very immature in my faith, and I was telling him, you know, um, I think I think that scripture doesn't really apply to me. I I, I don't I don't think that's uh, something that I need. I think uh, uh, that really caught my uh, my youth pastor off guard, and he was kind of like, why Why do you think that? Why do you believe that that's true? And of course, for me at that time, I really didn't dive into Scripture um, as much as I should have. And I think as I started to dive into it more and more, I started to see more and more truths, more and more lessons, more and more um, ways that uh, the Scripture points to Christ and Christ being my Savior for the sins that I have in my life and um, revealing to me the importance of Christ. Uh, there might be uh, instances where um, it might not directly correlate to my life right now, but uh, there's a teaching, there's there's some truth um, into uh, my my life or my heart or the hearts of the people around me um, for me to uh, 
to teach, to guide, to um, to to hold uh, true to in my life, um, to hold others true to in their lives, um, so that they can uh, remember the truths of Christ. They can remember who God is. They can um, learn more about who God is, so that their faith can be built up. So that their own uh, beliefs can be built up. Um, so the importance of understanding um, inerrancy, uh, the doctrine of inerrancy, the, the scriptures and what it means, uh, what it's talking about, the, the truthfulness that is there that applies to us, even in times where we may believe that it, it doesn't, uh, it's important because it teaches more us more about God, teaches us more about Christ, it teaches us uh, about uh, who they are, it teaches us about ourselves and the sinfulness in our hearts, um, leading to why we need Christ. And I think that's a lesson that um, is so important in our lives, uh, a lesson that is something that, that we can never just get rid of, is, is why do we need Christ? Why is Christ so important for us? Why do we need to hold true to Christ, to cling to Him, to, to see Him as our eternal hope and as our only hope? in life so um i i think teaching the importance of it is shared by uh, first and foremost as a pastor showing that i need it showing that this is a word that i need um i think um when i was younger i saw many pastors who uh, would try to try to try to show their wisdom or their knowledge of the scriptures or to show um how strong they were in, in the truth of the scriptures but um, i think uh, one thing that I've learned in my personal life is that it's not just about teaching um, how we can stand firm in it, how we can stand firm, but um, also what 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 people around us may need more than anything is teaching them that, look, I need scriptures. I need Christ. I need the truth of the scriptures to remind me of my sinfulness. I need the truth of the scriptures to remind me of my brokenness, my need for Christ so that I can cling to him, so I can hold on to him, so I can follow him. Um, by showing my need, I then show that we all have a need. I show as a pastor in my life, showing my need for Christ, my need for the scripture, my need for the word and the truthfulness of the word um, and the weight of the word. By showing that to my congregation, I then teach and share to them that they don't necessarily need me, but they need Christ. They may not need me today or tomorrow or in the future, but they need Christ daily. Uh, so, um, as pastors, uh, when we want to show the importance of this doctrine, first and foremost is by showing that we need it. And I think by secondly, uh, it's by showing um, the, the, the truth behind the scriptures, uh, the truth that is there, the truth that um, we can glean uh, from, from reading it in, in a QT manner, from reading it in a Bible study manner, from reading it, uh, hearing it uh, preached from the pulpit, um, to show the truths that are in Scripture um, that can reflect on our lives, uh, the importance of holding true to that rather than our words and our thoughts, but um, trying to trying to see the truth of the Scripture, trying to understand what the, the author of the Scripture is trying to say and how that truth applies to our life today. So I think a pastor can definitely do that by uh, sharing those truths, sharing uh, that they need it, but then also sharing um, the depth of the scripture and and the weight of the scripture and, and how uh, much joy you can find in the scriptures by following it. So um, we're going to give some time for Paul to respond to 
these questions as well. Um, what is the importance of the doctrine of inerrancy for us today, of the scriptures for us today, and how do we as pastors show the importance of this doctrine to our congregation, to our to other believers? Um, so yeah, Paul, take it away. Um, I mentioned a little bit before uh, when I was talking about the doctrine of inerrancy, um, why it's important. Um, and it is really important for us today because, again, we're talking about truth and its relevance in our lives, especially as Christians. And we hold, we believe the Bible because it's inerrant, because it's uh, scripture, it's God's special revelation of himself to his people, that it guides us. Um, it's becoming the centerpiece of the Christian life. Right? So if we don't have the Bible, then um, essentially we have no sure, we have no assurance that God is speaking to us. Now we know that there are people out there who would say that God vocally speaks to them, like an auditorily um, speaks to them, right? But those things are those things we can say, uh, cool beans, and uh, go on their way, right? But um, ultimately. The reason why that those things are less should be held less than the Bible is because the Bible is a certain, certainly God's word. I mean, it is actually God's word, and it's not uh, somebody. Because if somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, the Lord told me to tell you this," like we don't know if he, if the Lord actually told him to tell you this. That's kind of the idea. It's like you can't, you don't know. Um, we don't know why that's true. And now, if somebody says that and then gives you scripture, I mean, that's another thing. But, but the point is. The sure thing is the Bible, right? The sure thing of inerrancy is that um, we know that when we open up our Bible and we read it to uh, read it, uh, we know that God is talking, and so we should listen. Um, and so it's become it becomes actually relevant for us everyday life. Um, we're talking about QTs, where you're just or a devotion that you're just reading the Bible by yourself. Um, God is talking. Like you have to believe that when you read your Bible, God is talking when you're reading your Bible. Um, I remember hearing uh, this um, guy named Russell Moore, if you know who he is. Um, he was doing a scripture reading when I, went, when I was at seminary, and he said this really fascinating thing right before he started reading scripture. He explained that, as I'm reading scripture, I want you to understand and believe that as I'm reading this, you have to believe that it's as if Jesus is speaking right now because it's God's word, right? It's his special revelation of himself. And so if G as I'm reading this, know and believe that Jesus is speaking right now. And so that was a very interesting and really um, fascinating thing to think about was that like as somebody is publicly reading scripture, Jesus is talking, right? Jesus is actually talking. Um, and so, yeah, and so that kind of put, helped me put some stuff in perspective and in, in thinking about um, the Bible and why it's important for us. And, you know, in a world where we have so many different facts and figures and truths that people are claiming is the true truth, the truest truth, um, we have the Bible as kind of the bedrock, the foundation of our faith telling us um, what is true and that we can, um, it not only tells us these, um, or not only does it separate lies and truth externally, that the things in the world that are coming at us, but it's also telling us the truth in our hearts Right, that the Word of God searches us. It divides truth from lies. Um, it is what is guiding us, and um, it's like when we have a thought, even, and it's an ungodly thought. We can only know that because the Bible tells us it's an ungodly thought, and we should think it no more. 
right? Um, that's the power of Scripture in our lives, right? And so for me as past, as a pastor, how do I kind of show the importance of the doctrine of Scripture and the doctrine of inerrancy is that um, mainly as a pastor, uh, my main job, like the priority that I have in ministry is preaching and teaching. And so therefore, um, when I preach the Bible, that is where um, I show the importance of the doctrine of Scripture. Um, especially, I actually typically do this every time we start a new sermon series. So, a few weeks ago, my church started the book of Genesis. And you can check that out, by the way, Zoe Fellowship Sermon Podcast. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we, we started the book of Genesis, and in my first sermon, I explained what expository preaching was. I explained to the congregation what expository preaching was, that expository preaching essentially is preaching a passage of Scripture where the main point of my sermon is what the main point of that passage is. And I'm just explaining the text to them, right? And we're going verse by verse, passage by passage, chapter by chapter, book by book. Um, and we're doing that because we believe that the whole counsel of God, all his whole word should be preached and nothing should be left out. And we, it would, um, anything uncomfortable that we would want to leave out, like for example, today, um, um, or I guess today's Sunday, um, this morning I actually preached uh, Genesis chapter six and seven. This is Noah's uh, ark. This is the flood happening. And I honestly, I preached a lot of judgment. <laughs> I was preaching God's wrath, how it's coming and that people need to turn and repent before it's too late, before God's judgment comes and that they believe in the gospel and repent from their sins, right? Um, There's a lot of that. And it was very like, street style preaching of people I don't like, like, are you all going to hell? Like that kind of stuff. It was kind of weird. Um, but it was there. And um, I typically probably would have skipped that, honestly, if I had a choice. But because I knew that we're going through the book of Genesis and I believe that the whole Bible is God's word, um, uh, like I had to preach it. Like for example, actually even more than that, actually more, more uncomfortable than just preaching about God's judgment. Last week, we were talking about um, the kind of the beginning of chapter six, it uh, talks about like the Nephilim and it talks about the quote unquote sons of God who took the daughters of man in marriage. Um, and it was crazy because I had to like kind of make a guess about what those actually meant, you know, and I made an educated guess uh, from some study I did, commentaries I read and things like that. But like in the end, it garnered some discussion that I didn't really want to have because i knew i didn't know and i know that nobody really actually super is confident in knowing what they believe you know about who the nephilim are and things like that but we have some all of us have some educated guesses you know and that's all i could present but i had to do it because i believed god's word right um and so um when i if i had my way i would probably have just skipped that passage but um but i couldn't because why? Because expository preaching. Because I believe the whole Bible is God's word, and it should be preached, and people should hear it. And um, and so it's really, and, and so doing it, even though my congregation, they might be get bored with some details about like the nuance of the Hebrew language and things like that, um, I bec they know that I do it, and I show, and I do the work, and put the, the work into um try and tease out every sort of meaning I could from uh, the text, even though it might seem a bit boring, like going through a genealogy. That's what I had to do for chapter five. Um, like it shows they understand, they can see how important it is, right? I've, I see pastors all the time skip over genealogies because they're like, okay, there's only so much you can get from this, so on and so forth. But, um, but the fact that I didn't skip over it shows, you know, how much I actually care. Um, it can be boring sometimes, admittedly, even though it shouldn't be. But, um, 
but I do it because I trust in the Bible. I trust that it's God, God's word and he it's relevant. Somehow that genealogy is relevant. And it was. Enoch walked with God and it took him. And so he taught us that we should also walk with God. You know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, so that's how I kind of press the importance of the doctrine of scripture, the doctrine of inerrancy uh, to my people in my church. Um, and then also, of course, you know, just living out a, life of daily devotion, trying to read it as much as I can, um, meditate on it, love it, um, things like that. So that's how I typically uh, do that. Oh, Ben, what time is it? Oh, Ben, you're not here? Oh my gosh, we're not late for lunch after all. For the first time in our lunch break podcast, we're not late for not lunch because I am recording this at 11.17 p.m. on a Sunday night because we got busy doing this and uh, we apologize for this scheduling conflict we had where we tried to do it this way. But hopefully you still edified. Hopefully you still learned something. Um, and we hope that you still had a good lunch. Talk to you next time.